confused. It's where you begin to learn new things. Be broken. It's where you begin to heal. Be frustrated. It's where you start to make more authentic decisions. Be sad. Because if we are brave enough, we can hear our heart's wisdom through it. Be whatever you are right now. No more hiding. You are worthy. Always. Welcome to the Two Roads Travel podcast. Two sisters, two journeys, one purpose. Changing perceptions and judgments around alcohol misuse. The impact on the drinker, family and society as a whole. This is the last episode of series three and we're overwhelmed by the lovely feedback and how well the podcast is being received. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to share your story with us, just get in touch by emailing joe at joehuey.co.uk. We'll be returning on the 9th of August, so be sure to pop that in your calendar. Till then. Too many struggle alone, so please remember us when you chat to someone that may need help. Remember, we also run a closed Facebook group for Daughters of Alcoholics. So for those that want some more individual support, please go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Daughters of Alcoholics. Unfortunately, this episode has been cut short due to a technical error. But Paula and I hope you enjoy what we have been able to do. And we look forward to speaking to you again in season four. Hello and welcome to the last episode of Series 3 of the Two Roads Travelled podcast. Joe and Paula are talking to Laurie Bruton about something which is a very common struggle for families of an alcoholic, people-pleasing. In a household where a parent drinks too much, the children often feel they have to do whatever they can to please their parent or to gain approval, and in doing so they lose sight of what's important for themselves. Some children believe that if they behave in a certain way, then maybe their parent won't drink. This becomes the basis of a people-pleasing personality trait. A child cannot understand that their actions have no bearing on their parents' drinking. Laurie Bruton lives in New York, has two grown sons, and is the adult child of an alcoholic. She's a passionate entrepreneur who readily shares her stories and adventures about love, travel and self-development on her blog by coaching others and by public speaking. She's inspiring, transformative, and she enriches many lives. She teaches people how to tell their story, live their purpose, and bring their dreams to life. Let's find out how Laurie has used her lived experience to cope with her people-pleasing tendencies. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, it's Jo here. Um, So today's episode, I can't believe we're in season three already. It's um, it's madness, isn't it, Paula? It yeah. is. Whether we sort of, I don't know how many seasons we thought we'd do, or but I thought it was one. <laughs> <laughs> Not much of a podcast with just one season. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad that we've had like so many, you know, some great feedback from people, and obviously the topics that we've discussed have been really helpful to people. So, you know, that's been really encouraging, and uh, I think that you know we'll just continue to to keep doing that and interviewing as many different people as we can that you know and covering as many different topics as we can you know to um raise awareness about alcohol misuse how it impacts the families how it impacts the drinkers and also the connection socially you know how it impacts us in society so um, I'm, i'm kind of looking forward to um talking a bit more about people pleasing because it's 
it's such a huge thing for, for families of alcoholics and uh, specifically, I think, sometimes adult children as well. And I think um, definitely, you know, me and you have probably both experienced that in, in slightly different ways. So do you relate to that, Paula, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I've actually found myself doing that this week without even realising it until I checked myself. And uh, I was a bit frustrated, actually, that I'd let myself fall into that trap. Mm. It is almost like a trap because um, I was doing it to keep someone else happy and found out that we both had different agendas. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I get really frustrated with that because it's I've taken it's taken a long time to maybe stop doing that mm. and uh it just goes to show um how easy you can slip into it without even knowing yeah definitely so so um yeah we'll go into more I'm sure more of that um as we do the podcast but first of all um you know really pleased to welcome Laurie um she's joining us all the way from New York and um very exciting so, um, Laurie, if you just want to um, introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about you and, you know, a little bit about your story, that'd be fab. Yes, so I'm Laurie Bruton. I'm author, speaker, coach, and I also help other authors, speakers, coaches, podcasters, and so forth. Um, I wrote a book, so that's the first thing called Whole to Whole, Journey to Hope and Transformation, whole as in H-O-L-E to W-H-O-L-E. So what I did was after finding myself in a broken state, let's say, and found my own wholeness and realizing what that really meant, I felt like it was important to share my story. And boy, having the courage to do that and being vulnerable you know, that was like, hmm, should I make this be nonfiction or fiction or what? <laughs> so I did write the book and it's meant to help others. So um, I want to be able to have others get rid of their bondage and have breakthroughs, breakthroughs and live the life of their dreams by sharing my story about the transformation, the wholeness and mm. having more balance in an unbalanced world. Mm. I love that title. That's really cool. Very, very clever. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your experience of being the adult child of an alcoholic? So obviously you've, you've had direct experience yourself and, and obviously we're talking about the topic of people pleasing. So how, how's that happened for you? What, how, what's been your experience? Yes, yeah, so I didn't even realize what people pleasing meant or that I was one of them. <laughs> and to me, it means that, you know, everybody said, oh, you're so nice. And I had some people say, well, you're too nice. And I'm like, how can you be too nice? But um, like just always a people pleaser usually helps everybody and doesn't say no. You can always count on them for a favor. And they spend a lot of time doing things for other people over even taking care of themselves or doing what they need to for themselves. And uh, the thing is, they're overly nice and dependent on others for their sense of self-worth. 
and they're convinced that if other people are angry at them or disappointed, mm -hmm. that means they're bad. So I remember thinking, you know, the least little conflict, like, oh, I must be bad because I made that person upset, which then leads to guilt and anxiety mm -hmm. in a people pleaser type of person because they fear disapproval. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know, like, for me, I didn't feel worthy of anyone's love, and I did not want to have any kind of confrontation or conflict. So I found I was seeking to find myself in other people. And it made me happy to be helpful and kind and brighten someone's day and because it created peace and harmony. And, um, you know, I thought that was a good thing. <laughs> mm. And it was also made me feel needed, loved, accepted, and secure. Mm. But what I found is no matter what I did, it didn't save my parents' marriage. Mm. In fact, when dad would get drunk and beat mom, and usually the drinking just escalated his violent nature. And, uh, you know, I was torn. I loved both my parents. And dad was like, became Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> so eventually mom threw him out. But then I was left to be her caretaker, trying to cheer her up, get her out of bed. And that was draining. In fact, I have a chapter in my book called Behind the Curtain because mom always had the curtains closed. And I'm like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> so, and then I know... I can tell like the positive and the negative impact that's had on my life, unless you had something you wanted to know before I get into that. Yeah, I think um, for me, like I'd be interested to know if you think back to that time, like how did that, how did that play out for you? I mean, you've really very succinctly explained all of the kind of typical, I suppose, characteristics and things like that. Um, and how a lot of us will be feeling. Um, how did that actually feel to you as a child in that situation, you know, having to, you know, that maybe like that pressure on you to, to be a certain way to, you know, be perfect or to please people because you were maybe, I don't know, fearful of the consequences if you didn't? Yes. And I felt like I was always supposed to stay in the background, not interrupt. I didn't feel I could speak up. Um, and I, I just wasn't heard because then if I did interrupt, it did create a fear, like I'd be in trouble, I'd get yelled at or whatever. And so that was, you know, carried through the rest of my life because I didn't know any differently. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I can um, definitely identify with, um, you know, the, the want and need to be liked and, um you know, I think sometimes when we, I've done some work with Joanne around this and with other um, people um, and they say, well, what is it that you're afraid of? And uh, the, the same words come out every time. I'm afraid someone won't like me, um, you know, and, and also you tend to be invisible too, or you think you're invisible just to blend in and not get noticed and not bring on any confrontation and things like that. Um, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a complicated one that you tend to carry through, definitely. 
into an adult time. And that's what you... makes me think of one, one time when I was in school, I'm not sure what grade, maybe middle school, and the teacher would say, any more questions? And I raised my hand real high and she's like, okay, no. And I thought, I can see my hand, why can't she? So the, the point about being invisible, I definitely felt that mm. a lot of times. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you just want, like you said before, you just want a bit of harmony. You don't, you know, you, you want your mum and dad to be okay. You don't want there to be any arguing. You don't want there to be conflict. And, and you do all you can just to pacify a situation. You know, if, if, if he wants you to jump, you jump. If, <laughs> if, you, if you're sent to your room, you go to your room. You know, there, there's, um, there's a huge fear of being able to... Um, so say what you want but also the fear of any repercussions if you don't do what they say so from a very early age you learn to do as you're told and, and please the alcoholic in the house mm. because otherwise you don't know they're going to be involved yes yeah, so right and the fear of oh sorry the fear of being like i saw him physically abuse my mom and I never wanted to put myself in like, oh my gosh, so I'm thankful that dad did never hit me or physically abuse me, but seeing it done to my mother, mm. you know, created the fear, but then also enforced the people pleasing of just doing what I told. And mm. <laughs> yeah, that's that fear of con consequence. We're trying, you know, that we try and avoid, I suppose, but ultimately mm. it, in a sense, reinforces their behavior, doesn't it? um yes so if we're you know keep doing the things that they want then it's just reinforcing that that they're going to get what they want all the time um and and i think i've been working with someone recently on a one-to-one -one, um around this and this is one of her main issues and and i'm interested to hear both your opinions in terms of that you're perceived to be a bad person if you um you know, as in, I feel like I'm bad. So um, how, how does that play out for both of you? You know, what makes, because if you're people pleasing, if you're doing something to help somebody else or to make sure they're happy, how does that connect with then making you feel bad? What, Either so if, if they're happy? Yeah, but if, if they're not, you're worried that then that makes you a bad person. Well, yeah, because you feel like you haven't done your job properly in, in making them happy, I suppose. Okay, so, so it's a responsibility on you that, so you're responsible for their happiness. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you can never, like that. never do enough, you know, like it's like, did, did I do enough? It seems like it's never enough or it's not right or you know it I reminds would, me of a time when i i did something just as a silly joke in a certain atmosphere and they're like well that's not appropriate and then i thought oh my gosh i felt like i was in trouble and that again feeling bad that i was bad mm. so mm. yeah maybe a bit of a failure you know dad was um he wanted you know nothing was ever good enough was it so mm -hmm. there's that fear of being a failure and not coming up to their standards yes you know? mm. definitely so, so they set the bar and uh and then if you don't meet those standards you feel 
less than. Yeah. Right. Even mm. as an adult, I remember dad would come over and say, well, you just got to work harder. And, you know, I know somebody and you should have, they have three jobs. So you should have three jobs and come home and pull your weeds and, and cook something to eat. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> so I felt like, yeah, I could never meet his expectations or raise to his standards. And so therefore linking to um, not being accepted by them as, mm, as, who, as yeah. who you are. Is there that element of that involved in it? Yeah, a lot of acceptance, I think, because unless they accept you, then you don't feel good enough. Mm. Right. Which then goes back to the whole thing that we know that unless we accept ourselves, then we'll never feel good enough. Yeah. And that's the hard bit. That's the hard work, I think, you know, finding, you know, starting to learn to like who you are, mm. you know. Um, I think we've always, we've mentioned that, you know, even though dad's dead, mm. he still has such an impact on us. And mm. it baffles me because he's not. Um, but fortunately, during my own recovery, I've learned to like myself, you know, and I, and I do. I think I'm okay. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's amazing to be able to say those words, mm. you know, because um, it's just something you have to learn to do. And, um, you know, and also, maybe, you know, it, it should be something sort of a bit more natural, but it hasn't been maybe because of the environment that, that you know, we've grown up in. Mm. Mm. Right. And it still shows, does, and, and as we know, with lots of things in life, when we work on things, you mentioned this, Paula, that... Um, it still um, pops up in your life, uh, uh, you yeah. know, uh, 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 like it's just caught you recently, you know, and it's like, how on earth has that happened? I thought I dealt with that or, you know, I thought I'd kind of got past that. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you relate to that, Laurie or Paul, or what did you want to add anything to that? Well, yeah, I think um, for once I was looking for my own gain out of the situation. And I thought, well, if I did this, then that person would surely give me the outcome that I want. But that person had a different agenda. Mm. So I suppose there was a bit of manipulation in there. Um, but also that's another characteristic that's not normally me. Mm. Um, but it, the, the basis of it was I was trying to please someone to benefit something for me. And then... I felt quite, uh, I think I felt quite, up. I was a little bit upset, but I was a little bit <sighs> disappointed, I suppose, mm. again, in myself thinking, you stupid bugger, mm. you know, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you playing games? Mm. Because, and why am I trying to please someone? I thought I, you know, I'd gotten a grip of this, like I said earlier, mm. um, but you know, I'll learn. I'll learn eventually. It takes me a while, but I'll get there in the end. Yeah. But, um, Laurie, do you think that it can creep up on you and sometimes you don't even catch yourself doing it because it's so absolutely. habitual, isn't it? Yes, because it reminds me of when then I got married too young. I think part of it was to escape, you know, to having to take care of mom and all that and married a wonderful man, you know, faithful. And we had two wonderful sons. And I was determined to marry someone opposite of my dad. I knew he wouldn't beat me. He wouldn't cheat on me. 
you know, and all of that. And he, he didn't drink. So that was great for 20 years. And then all of a sudden I had went in left field and I think everything just kind of burst out of me that I'd buried for so long. So then fast forward to ending up in a relationship, leaving my own family. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, I've turned into my father. How could I have done such a thing? But then the man I ended up with was similar to my dad, who then was a drinker and he didn't physically abuse me, but I didn't even know there was such a thing as emotional abuse. Mm. So it was emotional, toxic relationship. And people would say, well, he's just using you and it's toxic. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. But definitely fell back into that people pleasing, catering to him, Mm. just begging for his attention and wanting to make him happy and Mm. all of that people pleasing behavior again. Mm. And I think, um, from what I've seen working with people that um, it's 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 kind of interlinked with codependency and stuff and there's mm-hmm. there's not that break and that separation between us and them it's kind of like we're kind of rolled into I can feel okay if you're okay right type of thing so if you're okay then I'll be happy but yeah yes. but if you're not okay then I'm not going to be okay. I don't know if either of you have experienced this, but um, I know I have a lot um, where there might be a disagreement that I might have with somebody and I can't feel okay until I hear from them and in a sense get their approval, not approval, but get their, um, I'm reassured that actually there isn't a problem and I haven't upset them and, and I'm on edge until I get that response. So if I've had a disagreement with someone and I text them or I ring them or whatever, and I'm waiting for them to come back to me, if it's kind of a difficult conversation, I'll feel on edge until I hear from them and know that actually it's everything's fine. Does that resonate with either of you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's almost, again, it's that um, reassurance Mm -hmm. that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Where we can't make that mind. We don't seem to be able to make that, decision ourselves Mm. it's the seeking of approval from others Mm. definitely Mm. but I think you know there are positive and negatives in this um Mm. do you think Laurie as well I mean the negativity I think is that you know people take advantage if you're you know a yes man you Mm. know wanting to help everybody and sort everything out and there is nothing wrong with that in the everyday life you know of doing people favors Mm. but and, and that's a positive side of, it, of being a nice person. But the negative is when people start abusing that, you know, situation, you know, um, thinking, oh, don't worry, she'll do it or he do it or, you know, just mm-hmm. put it onto them. Mm-hmm. They're there, take it. They won't say no, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So what, what do you think on that, Laurie? Oh, definitely. And I didn't think it was okay to say no to people. <laughs> like, and I totally agree with the, the people pleasing and codependency go hand in hand. And I know I allowed the behavior of other people be the source of my self-worth and security, which then compromised my physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And that I was needy and I had a need to be needed. So that's why I said yes all the time. <laughs> but then, you know, that led to self-doubt, self-hatred, self-sabotage. 
And what I finally learned was that alcoholism is an addiction, as we all know, but I learned that people pleasing may actually be considered an addiction called people addiction. Mm. <laughs> so, and so therefore, you know, knowing then finally realizing I was in this toxic relationship and I truly love this man, but I knew it probably wasn't right. And yet, you know, knowing how am I going to live without him? So I accepted the crumbs he gave me, even though he was doing all the other stuff. So and when I broke that off, finally, like there was a few times I did, and then there was a final time. But being that he was probably really an addiction, you go through withdrawal symptoms. You know, mm -hmm. you go through withdrawal symptoms just like an alcoholic, but in this case, it's grief and loss of the person. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, loss of myself is what I realized. Mm -hmm. So then breaking that bondage of people pleasing and codependency. I finally got free and I stepped into my true identity, which is what I feel I lost. And now I know who I am and whose I am because ultimately for me, I'm a believer and mm -hmm. God is above all. He's the one I should depend on, mm -hmm. not other people mm -hmm. and to love myself. So those are the lessons along the way. So I feel like I'm a recovering people pleaser. And instead of being a people pleaser, I, please people by serving with confidence instead of neediness. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fantastic place to come from, isn't it? Yeah, yes. I can identify with that. I th I, I've done the 12 steps through um, AA and it's about like handing that will over um, and, and, you know, letting um, what will be will be and whatever comes in your path, you know, um, you deal with it as and when you can in the best way that you can, instead of trying to control the show, you know, and also, you know, letting go of all of those um, defects of character, um, letting go of um, all those resentments, um, it, it's, uh, it's life changing, to be honest, you know, and, and you feel so much lighter after doing it you know because there's nothing we can do about the past at all we can just lay it to rest um it's, it's about the future isn't it and how you decide and the key thing is you decide you make those decisions in a in a, in a different headspace than maybe what you would have done previous years before and i think um i'd like to pick up on something you said paula which was about you know we like to do things for other people in terms of um you know just doing stuff for people because we want to be kind or whatever and i think that for us to differentiate between that and people pleasing it's what's the intention behind it you know are we doing something because subconsciously we need to get something out of it or are we doing it because we want to and there's no you know any other you know, uh, driver in a way. So, you know, am I doing this one thing for this person because I want to, or am I doing it because I want their approval? Mm. Definitely. I can relate to that because I've had other people ask me, well, what reward are you getting by you know, staying in this relationship or doing blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what are they even talking about rewards? Like, that's not what I was looking for. But when you mentioned for approval or I didn't know any other way, 
approval and acceptance and love because I didn't know how to love myself and set boundaries. Mm. I remember this one counselor person said to me, well, it sounds like, you know, you don't have boundaries with like, in that case, my mother. I'm like, what are those? Mm. (laughs) I've never even heard of the word, let alone know how to set them. And then you're right. Like I'm thinking, oh, I I enjoy being this nice person and, Mm. and helping people. But then like you mentioned, all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's this? Mm. And it was that it can present with being feeling obligated and then producing resentment. Mm. So I'm like, oh dear. So there was like that fine line of, yeah, why am I doing this? It's like, um, it's too now over the line of helping too much. Mm. So learning again, those boundaries and how to deal with the resentment and even, so the awareness Mm. is the first step of, oh my gosh, this is what this is. And how do I get past it or recover? Yeah. Yeah. I think they say that, you know, boundaries, I never knew what, I didn't really understand what they were. I just thought that, you know, boundaries around a field. You know, not in, not or, or along a motorway or something. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't exactly understand that you have them in in life. And but know. why? But why would you? Why would anybody? In all fairness, you know, we we talk about these things. We throw these words around. You know, even words like anxiety, depression. Da, da, da. But actually, what does that look like? What does that? You know, and and a lot of these things we don't necessarily recognize or understand and it's not because we're stupid it's because no one's ever explained it to us and even though this is some basic stuff in a whatever normal home life represents um you know you get taught these types of things how to self-soothe how to you know say no and that that's okay to do that well if you've never been taught any of that then you don't even recognize it you don't you don't recognize it when someone's putting a boundary in place towards you. You don't know that that's what they're doing. You might perceive that as them being difficult or something, but actually they're not, they're putting a boundary in place, but you've got no idea what that is because no one's ever told you. No. And then you would take that as, um, that you haven't done something well enough. You yeah. wouldn't see it that that's their, that's their boundary. You would take it. Um, You'd internalize uh, it and personally. make it like, yeah. You'd make it personal. Exactly. Yes. That. Oh my gosh. That reminds me. Well, you take everything so personally. I would hear that over and over. I'm like, <laughs> how else am I supposed to take it? It is personal. So I totally didn't get that for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, when people would set boundaries with me, it then maybe made me feel rejected. Mm. Or when then I was being taught to set boundaries with my mother, she would react like, well, who's telling you to not call me as much? Are you in a cult or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And when, and when you're going through that process and making those changes, because you're learning as you go, um, it is hard for family members to adjust to because they're starting to see somebody different. Because ultimately, yes. if they've been on the other end of things and been on the receiving end in terms of they've benefited from you being a people pleaser Mm -hmm. they're going to notice that pretty down quick and so it's going to you know be something that they'll probably have something to say about because they're like well why aren't they doing this for me anymore or why are they all of a sudden saying no what's that all about (laughs) i i found when maybe started to um introduced boundaries or you know found myself practicing saying no um that people thought I got the arse with them but I hadn't Mm. I was just 
stand in my ground. Mm. You know, I've even had to say no to Joe. Mm. And, she, <laughs> and she thought that was quite strange. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, but we, but I think it's important to point out that, um, the, that that's not um, an issue for you. That's an issue for you know, that's my problem. Yes. That's, our, you know, it's not something that then you should interpret as, oh, I've done something wrong by putting this boundary yeah. in place. That's not it at all. It's that, oh, this has come as a shock to me and I'm not used to that. Um, this is going to take some adjustment. That's not to say you've done anything wrong. It's to say that I'm not used to you responding to me in this way. I'm going to have to adjust to this. But obviously not everyone is going to maybe take it in a good way. They might retaliate in some way. And, yeah. you know, be disappointed or be angry or, you know, shout at you or whatever that looks like. And, and, and I guess it's we have to be patient in terms of them adjusting, but only to a point because, you know, we're all adults at the end of the day and people have to respect your decision. And they've yeah. probably had a free ride for way too long. <laughs> but I think you still feel that internal it's hard to get used to that sitting with that feeling maybe in the pit of your stomach and thinking, well, now I've said what I've said because that's what I want to do. Mm. And even when you know that person doesn't quite like it, it's, it's still, it doesn't feel comfortable and, and it has to take time to feel comfortable. Because that links back to, oh, they're not going to like me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And mom was real good about pouring on the guilt trips too. <laughs> and that's one thing I learned is don't, don't pack for guilt trips. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I have that one in my book. I'm like, here's what I learned. Don't pack for guilt trips. And I, oh, did I love it that. over and over and over and all that baggage. <laughs> and, you know, when I did set the boundaries and, you know, I was told, well, it's your job to set the boundary but how that person responds is their problem, not yours, or it's their issue. Yeah. Like, oh. That's a tough one. That is quite yeah. tough. Yeah. That is. Mm. I think well, that, that it's, I think that there's a lot of things like that and uh, that sound and are right on a, and we can sort of understand it on a logical level, what that, you know, by saying that's not your problem, that's theirs, that's totally right. But if you're coming from a place of being a people pleaser, that's not going to sit well with you initially. It's going to right. take some time to settle and you're going to have to do some work around that because you're not yeah. just going to accept that off the bat. It doesn't work like that. But what no. they're saying is true. You know, it isn't down. It isn't your problem. It's the other person's problem. If they don't like you saying no to them, that's that's not your issue. However, I've known from experience that when you're dealing with people pleasers, that they can't get their head around that. That's no. right. It is. It is tough. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's um, it's for me. It's definitely we have to. You know, we can't with anything go from being this to that in overnight you know we can't just swap from being a people pleaser to not overnight it you know we need to reflect on our behavior and reflect on why we're doing things and try to replace that with other other feelings that are going to make us feel more comfortable um and and everyone's how long it takes for each person is going to be different yes yeah so laurie in your life of work that you do now how do you direct people into um into this you know more positive way of thinking a way of dealing with with life so i know there's some tips in general and the people pleasing in particular 
And it took me a while to stop caring what other people think because <laughs> I let people's opinions influence me and how I felt about myself as well. So how does Les Brown say that quote? Um, people's opinion of you doesn't make it your reality, something mm -hmm. like that. I don't know if I have that exactly right, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and allow yourself to have a healthy relationship with yourself first. Because that's, I was focusing on all relationships, again, from a people pleasing of how, you know, about made it about them, but not looking at myself, the relationship with myself, which I'm like, oh, yeah. You can't ever get away from yourself, so you got to have a good relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. Just like you've heard the flight attendant say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help others. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, oh my gosh, this is huge. Be careful not to fall back into unhealthy relationships just because you're lonely and longing to find a sense of belonging and wholeness. So that was inspired with my title of my book too, this whole wholeness mm -hmm um peace and because maybe you don't know who you are without that person in your life i remember when i broke it off completely i'm like i don't know how to live without this person like what am i going to do mm -hmm. so but that gave me time to discover myself my dreams my purpose instead of living everyone else's purpose except my own mm. and i just also want to tell people there is hope mm. and to be dependent on god to deliver you and to break the bondages and the addictions because he is love and truth and find your identity in him and again i knew i was i lost my identity i was trying to find it in everybody else and he will pull you out of the pit and resurrect your dreams and fill the longing in your heart because the heart, oh my gosh, to get over the hurts and the losses and the grief, it takes time. And I want everyone to know everyone is created for a purpose. Mm. There is greatness in you. And if you don't yet believe in yourself, take someone else's belief in you and no, I believe in you. Mm. And the major thing too, don't do it alone. Let someone with experience help guide you to break free. And that answers your question is that's what I do is help people go from bondage to breakthrough. Mm.